Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team the Rays radio network proudly presents this week in Rays baseball there's a swing and a drive to center by Ramos back and it goes Ellsbury to the wall it is gone Wilson Ramos with a two-run home run and with one swing of the bat he's given the Rays the lead Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome into this week's show. I'm Steve Carney, Rays insider for Rays Radio Flagship Station 620 WDAE. Pinch hitting for Neil, who is off today. On today's show, we are pre-trade deadline, and we will hear from Senior Vice President Heim Bloom. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times is going to join us from Baltimore. Plus, we'll get some feedback on Jalen Beeks from Pawtucket broadcaster Josh Maurer and learn more about Ryan Yarbrough. But we start with highlights from the weeks gone by. As on Sunday, the Rays looked to salvage the last of three against the Miami Marlins. Did not look good for a while as the Rays trailed 4-1 going into the ninth, but Tampa Bay would ra- would rally against Kyle Bearclaw. And now the pitch to Robertson. Swing and a drive! Deep left field to the wall! It's a walk-off grand slam! D-Rob comes off the bench and he hits a slam and the Rays win! Rays win! Rays win! They walk it off on the Marlins as Daniel Robertson calls a team meeting at home plate. Rays win it! Six to four! And for the first time in franchise history, the Rays with a walk-off grand slam as Tampa Bay moved back over 500. On Monday, the Rays looked to carry that momentum over against the Yankees. Jake Bowers hit a three-run homer to give the Rays the lead, and hustle was a big reason why Tampa Bay stayed ahead. 1-2 pitch, slow ground ball towards short. Gregorius flips to second for one. The turn on to first. He's safe at first. Duffy beats it out, and Adamas scores. It's 7-3 Rays. That turned out to be the difference as the Rays found a way to hold on. They went 7-6 over New York. It was Tampa Bay's fifth straight win over the Yankees. On Tuesday, Yanni Chirinos did a nice job filling in for the injured Blake Snell. However, one Yankee prevented the Rays from continuing their run against New York. Tanaka ready, the 1-1 pitch to Duffy. Swinging a grounder to short. Gregorius is there. And he will throw across and Masahiro Tanaka. With a complete game shutout of the Rays. As the Yankees even up the series at a game apiece. Shutting out the home team today by a score of four to nothing. He was in control. 
all night long. Certainly was. It was the first time that a pitcher had thrown a complete game shutout against the Rays in nearly two years. Wednesday, the Rays looked to win a series despite the fact that Nathan Eovaldi was traded 90 minutes before first pitch. Kevin Kiermeyer, D.J. Crone homered for the sixth for the lead, and the bullpen made it work. The stretch from Romo, and here he comes. Swing and a miss, he struck him out. Romo wins the battle of veterans, and the Rays have won the series against the Yankees. Sergio Romo saves the day as the Rays beat the Yankees 3-2. They keep him in the ballpark for the entire series. And Romo got two outs in the eighth, two in the ninth, and played third base in between for an exciting series victory. Thursday, the Rays began a series in Baltimore against the Orioles, and after squandering a 2-0 lead in the sixth, the Rays answered right back. And the first pitch to him, line to left field for a base hit. Choi scores, and the Rays go ahead 3-2. Wendell to second and holds, and that didn't take long. After the potential missed call out in left field, two pitches later, the Rays take a 3-2 lead. Four pitchers held the Orioles in check as Austin Pruitt finished up in Tampa Bay 1-4-3. Friday in game two, Chris Archer took the mound, and after an hour and 20-minute rain delay, he was not sharp in his last start before the trade deadline. Archer pitches, fly ball to deep left field, and an 0-2. Jonathan Scopus just homered for the fifth consecutive game. Archer left one out over the plate, and the Orioles' lead is 4-1. The Rays kept it close. They trailed 4-3 until the home seventh, and then Baltimore scored eight in that inning, rolling 15-5 over Tampa Bay. And Saturday, the Rays had Jalen Beeks made his Tampa Bay debut after being traded for early in the week. Before he took the mound, the Rays were already behind the eight ball. And the lead for the Rays is gone. As here's now Joey Rickard going deep. To the wall goes Wendell, and this one is gone. Joey Rickard goes back-to-back -back with Trey Mancini. It's 3-1 to one Baltimore. And the Orioles would lead from the home second on, scoring eight against Beeks and winning 11-2. The Rays need a win today in order to split the series. Help the Rays Baseball Foundation support youth and educational programs in Tampa Bay by purchasing a Rays pledge pack. Each pack includes a voucher for four tickets, a 20th anniversary book, a mystery autograph baseball, and more. Get this $250 value for only $150 and help support charitable missions around Tampa Bay. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash pledge packs you're listening to this week in rays baseball coming up here from ryan yarbrough second on the team in innings pitched in his rookie year we're back right after this on the rays baseball network TripAdvisor just named Clearwater Beach the number one beach in the U.S., while St. Pete Clearwater has 35 miles of blissful white sand and fiery sunsets. Maybe it's number one because the plays are endless. One minute you're kayaking on palm-fringed waterways, the next you're viewing art at the world-renowned Dowling Museum or hitting up America's hottest craft brewery scene. So while there's no one reason it was voted number one, there's more than one reason to love it. Your extra innings begin at homeoftherays.com. Hey, this is Rick Stroud, sports writer for the Tampa Bay Times. I'd like to invite you to listen to my new daily podcast, Sports Day Tampa Bay. We'll talk Rays, Lightning, Bucks, and Bulls. I'll have special guests join me regularly for their takes and answer questions from listeners. Join the conversation on Twitter, at SportsDayTB, and use the hashtag SportsDayTampaBay. It's Sports Day Tampa Bay. Download it now on iTunes or go to tampabay.com slash sports. Tampa Bay Times journalism that matters with spectrum you will notice something about us even though we've built a best-in-class network connecting hundreds of millions of devices nationwide putting tv on more platforms than ever before 
and delivering enough bandwidth to power whatever comes next. We're still not satisfied. We remain 100% committed to constantly improve every single day. Spectrum. To learn more, visit Spectrum.com. Feeling saucy? Yeah. Then it must be Tijuana Tuesdays, where you get two ginormous tacos, chips, and a drink, all for one flat, outrageous price of only $5.99. Then try our hot sauce bar, even if it's on a dare, with 12 to 15 different hot sauces ranging from sissy sauce to death wish. Count on Tijuana Flats to bring on the value every week with Tijuana Tuesdays, only at Tijuana Flats. Eat fearlessly, live outrageously. Tijuana Flats, always keeping it fresh. Continue on this week in Rays baseball. Our feature guest this week is one Ryan Yarbrough. And Ryan, the Rays now with 19 rookies on the team. You're one of them, but also second on the team in innings pitched this year. What does that mean to be doing that in your first campaign at the major league level? Uh, obviously, it uh, kind of shows you the how I've been doing, and obviously that the team has faith in me, which is honestly really awesome that they trust me to go out there and that often for that many innings to go out there and get the job done. So honestly, that's uh, pretty cool. What's the biggest adjustment? For you this year in your first year at the big league level um i think it's it's kind of a cliche but it's always like the adjustment to better hitters and stuff like that obviously you're facing guys like albert Pujols or adrian beltre or mike trout or guys who've been around for a long time and have been doing it at a high level uh and it's not, you're not going to be able to get away with things that you might have been able to get away in the minor league so just little things like that so uh throwing strikes but also making them quality strikes where they're not going to be able to do much damage with them is uh, probably been the biggest adjustment. What have you learned this year? I think the biggest thing is obviously you kind of grow up and watch these guys and uh, it's it's almost like they're on this whole other level. You kind of see them on TV and they're larger than life guys. So uh, being able to kind of strike, get those guys out and if anything strikes those guys out, it's kind of be like, wow, my, my stuff can play up here and uh, it shows that I do belong here. You know, in, in chatting with a lot of guys who are where you are now, I think that's probably the biggest thing, believing you belong. When did you hit that point this year? Um, because obviously you've had a fair amount of success. Yeah, I think there was uh, an early part of the year where, uh, for me, I was walking more guys than I'm used to. And it was one of those things where talking to Snyder, talking with Cash, I'm like, Dude, trust your stuff. Your stuff is good enough to be here. Trust it. And it came to a point where early in the year and, I started doing it, I started seeing results, and we continued to work on some things and make adjustments, but obviously after that point I knew, like, hey, I can, I can throw to these guys and I can compete with these guys. Who's been most helpful in making the adjustment? Obviously you have to make the adjustments, but who's been most helpful to you? There's been a, a couple of guys, honestly. I don't think, especially when you have a pitching staff uh, with so many different guys around, you can kind of take little tidbits from everybody. But initially I felt like it was uh, – uh, Sergio Roma obviously started the whole year at the bullpen day so and uh so I was with down him there with him every day and even if he had a good day he'd talk to you if you had a bad day he'd like really talk to you hey man it's one day you're gonna get back up there and make the adjustments and then obviously got later in the season where he started doing a little bit more length and innings and so talking with more of uh Nate Ivaldi and uh, uh Chris Archer guys who were themselves making adjustments you're thinking like oh these guys have everything figured out and comes to the point where no these guys are still working on their craft too it's a never-ending thing so I think that was a cool thing for me and to see how much work they put in uh really showed me that uh just got to keep working and getting better obviously you're going to have bigger and better moments as your years go on but what's been the best moment for you so far 
Wow. Um, I don't know. Honestly, opening the first ever appearance is obviously probably the biggest thing that will sit with me this year, obviously coming in and especially right here in front of uh, the hometown and especially wearing those throwback uniforms, something I used to watch growing up. So that was obviously pretty cool, especially doing it to the Red Sox made it even better. You have had moments that have been good on and off the field. Engagement too this year. Congratulations. Yeah, so that was uh, planned either way. Uh, I went into spring training, had uh, kind of figured out a ring and kind of got that all set up for later on. And so, yeah, I mean, it just, I think it just made it even better that I was a chance that I was doing it here in Tampa, especially on the beach. We did it out there on St. Pete Beach and made it uh, really special. But, uh, no, I was definitely uh, grateful for that. All right, how hard was the, the planning process and how what was more nerve-wracking, that or maybe facing like a judge or a Stanton or someone like that? Oh, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty tough right there. I don't know. I mean, that whole planning process was pretty tough, making sure you're obviously like you know like she's going to be thrilled about it, but at the same time you're nervous like, oh, man, you never know what will happen. No, but, I mean, I know she was uh, ready for the, that next step, but I don't know. I, the engagement was pretty tough, but I think facing Stanton and them is also pretty tough. That's I might be a coin flip right there. Now, did you go old school? I know you went on one knee and you had it yeah. photographed, but did you ask the parents first? How did you handle all of it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Her uh, her family's pretty old school, too. So, I mean, we had talked about it throughout the years. We've been dating for almost six years now. So uh, she's like, yeah, the one thing that, like, it's not going to fly if you don't ask my dad. So I was like, all right, definitely wrote that down. I mean, I, I was going to do that regardless, but I made sure not to forget that. And he was, like, right away super uh, into it. And I did that before spring training, and so I had all of it planned out. It was just a matter of timing. All right. As someone who is happily married and has been for a while, obviously happy wife, happy life, <laughs> but what's one thing that you want to be part of the wedding for you? Is there any kind of little thing that you've seen at other friends or, or buddies or family members? I just honestly want it to be a, a good time, obviously, and I'll have a, a couple uh Chances to look at some. Uh, I'm obviously going to be going to Jake Freer's wedding this off season, and then one of my other really good buddies is getting married. So I'll maybe be able to grab a little tidbits from each of theirs and kind of see what I like. But uh, you know, you gotta you gotta learn these things on the fly. So uh, no, I mean, like you said, happy life, happy wife, happy life. So whatever she wants, mostly. But obviously, you gotta have a little bit of pull wherever you want. You mentioned where the 98 jerseys and loving wearing that. So next weekend is that reunion of the 08 team, and you grew up watching them. So is there a player that you hope is there that you really enjoyed watching during all of that? Because some of them are still playing, that's obviously. What that's what I'm saying. I think that's going to be tough because a lot of those guys are still playing, obviously. Uh, David Price is still playing. Shields is still playing. Shields may be here. You're playing the White Sox that weekend. Well, you know what? That makes it might make it even better. Uh, I loved watching him a lot, too. But there were just so many guys. Jason Bartlett was going to be pretty cool. I remember watching him. He was really good. Carl Crawford, uh, BJ Upton, just those guys like that who just uh, really took off while they're here and end up having really good careers. Um, it'll be really exciting to kind of meet all of them. Well, I've heard that Bartlett and BJ are supposed to be here. I guess you have to call him Melvin now, <laughs> uh, which I still have a tough time with. But that probably, you may appreciate that more than anyone on this team, I would think. No, I mean, uh, it's definitely going to be really exciting. I know we had a, a couple guys from this area and some of them in AAA right now, but you never know who they might be back at any moment. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm sure my parents will be here that weekend for sure because growing up my uh, my dad had every game on so he was just now like he does now every game knows all the players and uh, really gets involved and in, uh, gets invested in the game so I'm sure he'll be really excited too. You are a rarity you brought it up at being a local so what's the best part about being a local playing for your hometown team and what's the hardest part about being a local playing for your hometown team? I think the most obvious thing the best part about being a local is uh, 
having all your friends and family here and let them kind of enjoy this uh, the process because obviously they were a big part on why I'm here as well. It's when people I don't think anybody can really say like they did it on their own. I feel like that's a hard thing to to try to pass on to people. So when you have that many people and that have put their uh, time and money into investing into how what you've become is uh, really great to kind of see them be able to have fun with it too. And tickets has it become easier? Uh, the, uh, a little bit. That I think, and I think that's another one. Like the hard part is obviously people hitting up for tickets and everything. And then, but yeah, it's gotten a little easier. Um, at the beginning, it was it was mayhem, obviously, because I kind of knew when I was throwing, and then obviously everyone's super excited about it because it was right out of spring training. But yeah, I think that's it's definitely gotten a little easier. In terms of easier, you mentioned knowing the day you're throwing. You've you've got actually they've put you on more of a schedule. Generally, you've thrown once every five days. Is it harder to do that and having the four days to think about it or when you know you're throwing maybe two out of five or when you were throwing three out of five days even at times? Yeah, so, I mean, there's been times this year where we've done both. Been kind of all of not really knowing when lately just because of uh, a couple of different things. But, yeah, I mean, I got stretched out a little bit last time, so I'm not sure what will happen and where we'll kind of go from there. But I feel like it's right now it's a little easier, and I think it also depends on how you're throwing too. If you have a good outing, it's kind of easier to get through those four days, and if you have a, a tough one, and those kind of sit with you for a little bit. So I've gotten used to both, honestly, and it's been a lot easier transition. A lot of people were like, are you going to be okay like coming out of the bullpen? Is it going to be? And so, um, and it is a tough transition at first, but it's definitely gotten easier, and having guys like Sergio and some older guys like uh, Johnny Venters and them make it a little easier to kind of get through the process and ask them, uh, hey, what am I doing? Am I getting ready too, a little too early? Should I settle down a little bit? So those guys have been great. Certainly there's been a lot that's gone on during this year. You know, the, the Rays actually played very well against the Houston Astros, and the reason I wanted to bring them up is because you played with Justin Verlander's brother Ben at Old Dominion, but if I remember right, you had not – met or really talked to Justin did you do so at all when you played the Astros so the only interaction uh that I've had with uh but yeah so I played with Ben uh Verlander at school a great guy and but yeah so I didn't get a chance to talk to him when we were in Houston for the fact that he was pitching the middle day so he kind of got his work in and got out and then when they got here I was running doing some conditioning in the outfield and I was like all right I'm gonna go talk to him and he's out there shagging and having some fun I almost get crushed by a fly ball. I'm not even paying attention. and like almost hits me, and all of a sudden he like looks over and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And that was our interaction. So I'm like, great. That's that's the first interaction I've had with Justin Verlander. That's fantastic. So, And I kept on running, hoping to get a chance to talk to him. And, of course, by the time I finished running, they were done with BP, and they were all coming off the field. And so I'm like, wow, I really missed my opportunity. So, yeah, my only interaction with Justin Verlander is, hey, watch out, and almost getting hit with a fly ball. So you text Ben and let him know? or? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even want to. That, that might be a little too embarrassing. Um, but, no, I saw, like, he, he had texted me saying congratulations, obviously, and then I saw he had a blast with his brother on the All-Star trip. So... It's been a fun experience for both of them, but yeah, hopefully I'll have a little bit interaction, more interaction with them next year. Obviously, the goal is to have many more years in the big leagues. Five years from now, where do you want to be? What 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 are your goals personally? Wow, it's uh, I think everyone, like you said, everyone wants to be here. I have that really long career, but it's easier said than done. I heard a stat that the the average major league career is four years, and of the 20,000 guys who have played Major League Baseball since the early 1900s, late 1800s, only like a little over 1,000 have played 10-plus years, which was really eye-opening for me. So it really shows you, like for me personally, that I have to continually to work hard and uh, put in that effort. And so five years, I want to be here and hopefully uh, willing a World Series trophy for Tampa Bay. 
Well, we wish you good luck in getting to that point. We certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball. Continuing success. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You got it. We'll have more coming up right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Follow the calming sounds of the waterfront and the smoky orangewood aroma to downtown St. Petersburg's newest restaurant, Paul's Landing. This local hotspot is serving up specialties like their smokehouse brisket and Paul's Seafood Roast for lunch and dinner every day. Visit Paul's Landing at the Vinoy Renaissance Resort and Golf Club via the 5th Avenue stairs across from the Vinoy Marina. Citrus, seafood, smoked. Reserve a table now at paulslandingstpete.com. When it's time to play ball in Tampa Bay, it's time to stay refreshed the Rays way with Southwest Florida's own Tervis Tumblers. Get your officially licensed Tampa Bay Rays drinkware in great classic and stainless designs at Tropicana Field by the Budweiser Porch in Centerfield. Or visit us at Tervis.com or any of our local Tervis stores. Here's to a Rays victory from Tervis, proud drinkware partner of the Tampa Bay Rays. Natural pain relief is hard to come by, but there's a new solution in town. St. Pete Saltworks is bringing flotation therapy to the plate. That's right, flotation therapy. Imagine your own high-end private spa room, dimly lit with a beautiful shower in a large enclosed tub filled with just 10 inches of water and 1,000 pounds of pure medical-grade Epsom salt. Zero gravity and instant relief. Take care of chronic pain and old injuries throughout the body with the simplicity of flotation therapy. Say goodbye to stress and hello to rest with St. Pete Saltworks today. When you need advanced diagnostic radiology, go where the pros go. Rose Radiology, the official radiology practice of the Tampa Bay Rays. Rose Radiology gives patients the winning edge with the best world-class technology available. Rose Radiology is home to the only upright open MRI in Tampa Bay. They offer advanced CT and high-field MRI, mammography, x-ray, and ultrasound. Owned and managed by licensed board-certified radiologists. Choose Rose Radiology. Hi, I'm Dr. Rose. Make quality radiology your choice. Visit MRIRose.com. We continue on this week in race baseball and senior VP Heim Bloom now is our guest. And Heim, you guys have been very active in this week before the training deadline. Give us some perspective on the the types of things you guys are trying to do and what you felt you accomplished with the first three trades. Well, it certainly has been a busy week. We were able uh, to, you know, get a couple moves, three moves across the finish line well in advance of the deadline. Usually the, the lead into the deadline, the last 24 hours, the last hour is often when things really pick up. But we were able to get some things across the finish line earlier, uh, which is good. And we were excited about what we were able to add. In the case of the first deal that we did, we sent Nathan Avaldi to Boston uh, and got Jalen Beeks in return. And uh, Jalen's, uh, you know, we view him as a, uh, he's a left-handed starting pitcher. This is a guy who, you know, while he's not going to show you eye-popping numbers on the gun, he's still the fastball velo that he throws with is ahead of many established left-handed starters. And uh, he has a real feel to pitch. He has a good cutter that's been very effective this year, which gives him, you know, a good weapon against both lefties and righties and uh, has the tenacity, has shown the know-how to really learn how to use his stuff. And it's to the point where repeating the International League this year, he's been one of the most dominant pitchers in AAA. And uh, now we're going to give him a chance to learn how to reach that level uh, in the major leagues. But this is a guy who we can add to the core we've been building. And one thing we've been saying really since uh, last winter is, 
is that we feel we have a core coming together, a group of guys who can grow together and win together and that can potentially stay together for a long time. And Beeks fits right in that core. Uh, and with the other deal that we sent Matt Andrees to Arizona, we got two guys. And the, the catcher we got, Michael Perez, also fits uh, in that timetable. And of course, he's already made his major league debut with us. And he's looked pretty good his first couple games. You know, kind of an undersized guy, so I think he flew under the radar, but it's hard to find left-handed hitting catchers who have some ability with the bat, and he's grown into that the last couple of years. We really like his defensive game. That's always been a strength. Very well-rounded. Uh, he can receive the ball well. He can throw. He can block. Our intel indicated that he's got a good mind and he's good at working with pitchers, so it's really a nice package to have there behind the plate. Kind of a sleeper that we want to give an opportunity to, and again, if, if it clicks, here's another guy that, that fits in with that core and is on the same timetable. With the, with that core, how important is it for you to and and how much of your focus right now is on finding core additions with any moves that you may make going forward? You're not going to turn down an Adamus or a Bowers in a deal, but it seems like your focus is on that area. Yeah, and as you said, our, our top priority has to be adding talent in whatever form we can find it. So if we see some high end talent that might be further away, we can't walk past that because really that that talent could turn into you know a cornerstone player years down the road. Uh, but that being said, we now feel things are, are starting to time up uh, for us to where we have a lot of young players that we've started integrating into the club dating back to the end of last year. And then now this year with some of the guys that have joined us, and there's a few on the horizon uh, at the upper levels of our minor leagues to where we might have a chance to, to have a really good group that can, that can grow together, the guys that have been working their way up through the minors and winning down there. And so if we have a chance to add to that group, and if we have a chance to time up more pieces around that group so that we can compete, with our limited resources, with the Giants and the AL East, that's something that's very appealing to us. You did add some youth, uh, Bradley Schaefer, the right-handed starting pitcher. Let us know a little bit about him and what you guys are hoping for him. You know, it was a guy from last year's draft uh, at a University of Maryland. You know, big, big frame, uh, tall guy who uh, really knows how to pitch. Again, this is this is one where he's not necessarily going to light up the gun and show you triple digits, uh, but he has a good fastball, he has a good breaking ball, and he's shown a really good uh, field of pitch. Ironically, just before he was traded, uh, he was actually promoted from low A to high A, and he's going to join the Stone Crabs with us. Uh, but even had he not been promoted there, uh, just based on what he's done at that low A level, uh, he's certainly deserving of the promotion, and we're excited to see what he can do. And you added international money uh, in the Johnny Ventures trade. How important is that, those funds? Because you guys have really made an investment overseas. Yeah, that's uh, another asset that we're really going to look to add any opportunity that we get. And when you get it, it's a little unsatisfying because you don't know necessarily what player that's going to be. And certainly the nature of this is that a lot of the players that we invest in, we're not necessarily going to see at the major league level. But some of them we will, and some of them are going to become, uh, you know, real good prospects for us in our system. And, you know, there are the uh, the high dollar investments, you know, the one from last year, Wander Franco, who got almost $4 million of our pool last year, really the majority of what we had to spend last year. So far, it looks he's doing wonderfully in Princeton, and we're really excited about him. But even in lesser amounts, we've had some success there. You look at, you know, Jose Alvarado, for instance, who's now a key member of our bullpen. He signed for, if I recall correctly, it was $30,000. So the more money we have to spend in our, in our pool, in our allotment, because we are limited by MLB rules and what we can spend, and the only way to be able to spend more is to trade for more pool space. So the more money that we can spend, that just means we have more chances to add talent. You talk about the core talent and some guys who may be ready in Durham. Are you basically going to wait until after the deadline to kind of know how much 40-man roster space you have before adding anyone new? Is that kind of the plan right now? 
There's so much flying right now. In the week before the deadline, there's so many possibilities that I think all things being equal, we'd probably prefer to see how we come out of July 31st before we see where we go next with the roster. Uh, but wouldn't, I wouldn't rule anything out necessarily. But, you know, as a general thought, when we're this close to the trade deadline, there's been enough kind of disruption to our roster that we kind of want to hold it as steady as possible and just see where we are because we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we may we might have added some guys to the roster. Now we have an opportunity on July 31st to do something that brings even more talent in, and now we have a jammed up roster and we might have to do some things to free up space that we otherwise would not uh, have wanted to do. So it's not something we'd ever totally rule out, but certainly as we get this close to the deadline, it probably makes sense just to wait a few more days, see what shakes out, and then see where we're at. And that is Heim Bloom with Neil Solons. And before we continue, let's pause for station identification. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. This is 620 WDAE St. Petersburg. It is gone! WBTP HD3 Clearwater and 95.3 FM. Home of the Rays. As we continue on this week in Rays baseball, Steve Carney, Rays insider for Rays Radio Flagship 620 WDAE. Pinch hitting for Neil. And with the trade deadline coming up in just a couple of days, we are now joined from Baltimore by Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And Topper, uh, I want to ask you, the Rays made three deals here over the last week, sending Nathan Eovaldi to Boston, sending uh, Matt Andrews to Arizona, and Johnny Ventures back to Atlanta. Is any of those three more surprising than the others uh, when it comes to deals being made at the deadline? I would say, Steve, that the Andres trade was probably the bigger surprise of the three in the sense that Evaldi was definitely going to go. I mean, the, the the discussion that was, you know, the Twitter talk about why would the Rays trade him, why wouldn't they keep him, they spent this money to get him healthy. That was the whole point of signing him, you know, before last season was to get him healthy and get something back for him. They feel like they did last night, you know, obviously not a great recommendation for it, but in Jalen Beeks. Andres was a guy that, you know, the Rays didn't really seem to have much use for. They didn't want to use him as a starter. They didn't want to use him as a late-inning reliever. He was kind of relegated to this, you know, multi-inning, middle-inning role, and I think other teams around the game valued him more. And, you know, so that's why it was maybe a surprise, not even as much that they traded him, but what they got back. I mean, they seemed to like Michael Perez, and he certainly has looked good in the couple games he's played here behind the plate. And then, obviously, you put a Class A uh, arm lottery ticket in there. So I'd say the bigger surprise. I mean, Ventures also made sense because, again, he's not going to be part of their future here, and that was a very uh, kind and generous move of the Rays to trade him back to the Braves. But of those three, I'd say Andres was the bigger surprise, and as much for what they got back. Well, uh, I know that you might not be surprised, and I certainly wasn't surprised uh, about the trade of Eovaldi, but what did surprise me was that the Rays decided to trade Eovaldi within division, sending him to Boston for Jalen Beeks. Now, with Eovaldi going to Boston, and the Yankees acquiring both Jay Happ from Toronto and Zach Britton from Baltimore. Do you think we could see more trading within the division uh, in future uh, sessions here? Well, I think you have to look at each case individually. And in the Rays case, I mean, I had zero uh, thought or concern or, or quibble with them trading Evaldi in the division. To me, that was not an issue because... He's a free agent rental. He's going to be there for a couple months, and then he's going to move on. The Rays are not competing with the Red Sox for anything this year. I mean, as much as some you know fans talk about the chance for a second wild card, but the Rays are not giving you know an opponent a weapon they're going to use against them now. If they were to trade Chris Archer to the Yankees, which is one of, who are one of the teams that we keep hearing are very much involved and interested, that'd be a little different story. Because you have the potential of facing him, you know, six times a year for the next three years, that could be an issue. But a short-term rental like Nate Evaldi. 
The other thing, Steve, to keep in mind, if you're focused on this, I know you're at the beach, but if um, you know you trade a guy like David Price, they thought they were trading him out of the division, and then he ends up getting moved from Detroit to Toronto. Then he ends up signing with the Boston Red Sox. So sometimes you think you can manipulate it, and you can't control it anyway, so you don't want to outsmart yourself. If the best return is from a team in your division, and you're that convicted and convinced that you should make the deal, and this is the best deal. And maybe you put a little tax on there. Maybe there's a little intra-division tax, and they, the team in the division has to pay a little more. But I think you got to go ahead and make the best deal you can. You can't shy away from it because of what may or may not happen over the next couple years. We're talking with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, live from Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Baltimore. And Topper, there were a couple of names early in the year that uh, most people thought that by the t this time that they would probably be on a, a different team. And I'm talking about Wilson Ramos, who, who of course is still on the disabled list, but also shortstop at Danny Echevarria. There's also a couple of guys that are going to be free agents and may not also be a part of the race future going forward. I'm talking about outfielder Carlos Gomez and reliever Sergio Romo. So if you had to put on your crystal ball or look into your crystal ball and pretend to be Heim or Eric, uh, if you, uh, which one of those guys do you think, or maybe more of, of them, could end up still being moved before Tuesday's deadline? Wow! If I was Heimer or Eric, there'd be a lot of things I'd be working on here. Let me think. Yeah, about probably that for a, a probably a pay raise for you and I, right? Well, I, I don't know about me, but uh, you, I'm sure I'm sure you've earned one. You're hanging out with Angela Sharp at the beach today, right? Yeah, but I know it's a tough job. Yeah, that's tough a tough gig. job for you hanging out there at the beach. Uh, I think. One way or another, Echeverria is going to be gone, if not traded by Tuesday, shortly thereafter. They've got to just clear the space. Keeping You're not doing him any favors, and you're not doing Willie Adamas any favors, having to look over his shoulder at Echeverria every day. Willie Adamas needs to get out there and play, and he needs to show the Rays he's ready to be their shortstop. I don't think he's done that to this point. I think he needs a better opportunity. Sergio Romo, there's not a lot of investment for the Rays. They didn't, they're not paying him a lot of money, but I still think there's going to be a contender that's going to want him. It's a little bit of a comfort factor for the Rays to have him in an otherwise really young bullpen. I don't think it'd be horrible if they kept him, but why not pick up a little piece in a Class A pitcher or somebody for him? Um, Wilson Ramos is the one that's the big issue, Steve, because he was the jackpot. He was the guy that, you know, short of Chris Archer, they were going to get the most for. And that hamstring injury not just impacted him, but it impacted their ability to get much for him. The decision they're going to have to make is trade him at probably a reduced return before Tuesday because the team's not going to know he's ready to go. He's not going to be able to play that rehab game Monday. They're going to have to bet on the come a little bit that he's ready to go or hang on to him and take their chances to do a waiver trade in August, but you run the possibility of a team blocking it, and then you just end up having to let him go for no return. So it's really going to be an interesting decision. And, you know, you, you talk about all seriousness, being Heimer Eric right now, how do they, you know, deal with that? How do they balance trying to figure out the best trade for Chris Archer at the same time that they have to you know, make a pretty big decision on Wilson Ramos and some other things. So I think there's definitely a couple more guys to go. Carlos Gomez, I agree with you. I would have thought he'd be a guy that if he was playing better would be help. Even like the Yankees losing Judge the other day, would they pick up a guy like Carlos Gomez, a veteran guy with some experience? But he just hasn't done enough on the field that I think anybody would put much investment in him. And he may be a guy that Rays keep around or, or not for the next couple months. That does, it, it makes a makes a whole lot of sense, Mark. I I appreciate uh, you giving me a couple of moments of your time here on this Sunday, and uh, you can always make sure to uh, hear Mark's uh, or read Mark's comments in the Tampa Bay Times as we get up to the trade deadline. Mark, thank you, buddy. Hey, do you have the 620 swim trunks on or not? 
Uh, I, I've got the I've got the mankini on there, my friend, just for you. Have ha, enjoy enjoy that visual. All right, say hi to Angela for us. I I will do. That is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times joining us from Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Now the Rays first acquired Jalen Beeks earlier this week from Boston, and Neil spoke with Pawtucket broadcaster Josh Maurer about the left-hander. You know, Neil, I, I think the one thing I would say about Jalen is he is such a nice, level-headed guy, and. Above all, that's what that I remember about Jalen from his time that I saw him in Pawtucket, how just genuinely down-to-earth he is. He'll have a conversation with anybody. He, he's not an outgoing type A where he's going to be the, the life of the party or the bubbliest guy in the room. But that being said, even though he, he I think, tends to be on the quieter side, when you do engage him, he's just so pleasant, thoughtful, and nice to be around. And, and I really found him to be one of the most respected guys that was in the Pawtucket Clubhouse for the last couple of years. And I think because of that, guys knew that, you know, even if Jalen wasn't going to be the most boisterous person in the room, he was always going to be respectful and an interesting person to be around. And, and I know that, for one, I'll miss him and all the guys and the coaches that have gotten to know him over the last few years in Pawtucket, they'll miss just having him around, just that nice of a kind of quiet, down-to-earth human being. Obviously, he's performed well, too, especially this year. Where has he grown this year from, let's say, his performance in Pawtucket last year? I truly believe that the establishment of his cut fastball, the cutter that moves more than most cutters that you see, is the differentiation for him between being an average triple-A starting pitcher and being an all-star, one of the best in the International League this year. And and you guys will see the pitch. It, it almost looks like a slider. There's so much downward tilt to it, and normally everybody's throwing cutters these days. It's such a chic pitch. But normally you see it go side to side. You, you just don't see that, that drop that Jalen gets on it. He's generated a ton of swings and misses. And, and for a guy who's not overpowering, his four-seam fastball will probably top out at 93 miles an hour. It's that cutter, I think, that's really been the difference for him this year. And, and really, from the time he was drafted by the Red Sox out of Arkansas five years ago to the to the pitcher he's become now, he's remade his arsenal uh, and has been very open about that. He, he's been one who's not afraid to tinker and try new things, and the Red Sox have kind of pushed him to do that. But to become a, a fastball cutter guy, uh, instead of the traditional curveball and changeup and slider, which you see so many pitchers who come out of college are, uh, he, he's really, I think, taken some good leaps, and, and he's made himself a major league viable pitcher. And I think, speaking to the Rays folks, your pitchability is a big reason why they were attracted to Jalen in terms of the exchange for Nathan Ovaldi. What did you see in terms of Jalen's pitchability and how it's grown over the last year and change? Well, I think he's more confident. That's one thing. For certain, Neil, he, he believes that his stuff can get anybody out. And I think he believes that in the major leagues, too. I know the results from the couple of outings that he had with Boston this year weren't exactly what he wanted, but it didn't deter him from coming back and, and, and still feeling like he was right on the cusp of being a, a very effective major league starting pitcher. Well, I would say the one thing that Jalen knows he needs to do more, he needs to mix in the secondary stuff to be able to get through a lineup multiple times successfully he needs to throw his curveball and he started doing that more in june and july when we saw him back in the minor leagues i think it's a pretty good pitch for him it's a it's a pretty good downward curveball that 
can generate some swings and misses, and he can throw it for a strike if he wants. But for a, lo- a large portion of this year, he kind of went away from that. He'll also throw a changeup. So he knows that the pitch mix is probably going to need to be varied to be a starting pitcher that can get you through five, six, seven innings at the big league level. I just really believe he, he has the confidence that his stuff is good enough to get anybody out, be it a left-handed hitter, certainly, or righty. I think the, the cutter especially plays really effectively against right-handed opposition, which is a big bonus for a left-handed pitcher like Jalen is. No doubt, especially with all the righties that uh, that exist within this uh, American League East division, at least as of now. You know, it's so unusual to see the Rays and Red Sox trade, and it almost seems like this was kind of the perfect fit on both sides. The Red Sox looking for a rental who had that big arm, and the Rays looking for a guy who potentially could serve in a multitude of roles with the way that they're using pitchers differently. You're in a good situation if you're Jalen for a couple of reasons. One, the Rays, they've been so forward-thinking with the way they've handled pitching. Even Kevin Bowles, who's the manager with Pawtucket, went out and said this the day of the trade. He, he went out of his way to say, I feel very confident that he's in good hands. And that tells me that even from afar, people have taken notice guys with the Red Sox especially perhaps taking notice of the way the Rays have been able to develop pitching and come up with a good game plan for the guys they have in their organization. You know, the other thing is too, it's Jalen's a guy who's never pitched anywhere but the Boston organization. He's had the same coordinator his whole tenure there since 2014, uh, and he's had a couple of different pitching coaches. But I, I do think sometimes it's, it's good to just get a fresh start. That is Neil with Pawtucket broadcaster Josh Maurer. Coming up, a 20-year Rays employee, Daryl Strawberry, and a look at the 2008 reunion after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Catching a game in all 30 pro ballparks and walking away with a home run ball. Check. Whatever you're getting ready for, come into Supercuts. Supercut stylists pay attention to every detail so you get the haircut you want. And with our signature hot towel finish, you'll walk out feeling clean, sharp, and not just ready, but super ready. Supercuts. Save time by checking in with our mobile app or at supercuts.com. At Outback Steakhouse, we start every day fresh to create the flavors that our mates crave. Enjoy mouth-watering steaks like Victoria's Filet Mignon, our most tender, juicy, thick-cut steak. Our steaks are seasoned with our own blend of herbs and spices, then seared to perfection. And don't forget our world-famous Bloomin' Onion. Make dinner delicious tonight. Head to Outback Steakhouse in Tampa Bay. If you can't come to us, we'll deliver your bold Outback favorites to you. Visit Outback.com to order online tonight. Aussie rules. Rays fans, summer is here and there's so many things to enjoy with the warmer weather. But it also means bugs like termites, mosquitoes, ants, and roaches will be out in full force. Luckily, you can trust the pros at Hughes Exterminators to keep your home pest-free inside and out. Hughes protects homes and businesses. And as the pest control provider of Tropicana Field and the Tampa Bay Rays, you know you're getting the best from the best. To set up a free home evaluation, call 877-GO-HUES or visit HughesExterminators.com. Business checking at Republic Bank is easy. No matter what size of business you own, we offer a variety of accounts to fit your needs. And all of our checking accounts come with easy banking technology. So managing your money is easy too. Let us help you find and open the right account. Learn more at RepublicBank.com or visit any of our seven area banking centers, including our newest West Shore location, one mile south of International Plaza. Republic Bank, it's just easier here. Member FDIC. Welcome back. Time now for our latest feature on 20-year employees in this 20th anniversary season. This is Paul Kirsch. I'm the 
Northwest Scouting Supervisor of the Tampa Bay Rays, and I was hired around um, November of 1996. Well, I was excited about getting into the world of scouting. I had spoken with Dan Jennings, and he was my first boss, and he was a great guy, and it looked like a good fit. I'd been in traveling around and you know, minor league baseball for a while, and the thought of scouting really appealed to me, and I was excited about starting in an organization from the ground up. What's been the best part about working for the Rays these 20-plus years? I would say the people. I am Honestly, I mean, uh, I always say that the greatest thing about this game is, and the greatest thing about it is the people that you work with, and I've really enjoyed this group from day one. And You know, there's been a lot of changes, but uh, it just really, it's a really good group of people. You know, they're nice people, they're considerate, they're caring, and they're genuine. And that's, this game is all about the people you work with, and that's probably what I enjoy the most. Is there something that in your 20-plus years you would consider your greatest personal accomplishment as a Tampa Bay Ray employee? And if so, what would it be? I take pride in, you know, getting some guys, drafting some guys in later rounds that have done some things in the organization and established themselves as prospects. I'm proud of that, and I'm proud of the fact that a lot of the guys have stuck around for a long time had one kid that's been in the minor leagues for I don't know how many years. <laughs> he finally broke through with Texas this year as a 34-year-old, <laughs> Brandon Mann. So that was stuff like that makes it kind of special. If you could elaborate just to also on the, uh, you know, you talked about uh, lower round draft picks that you were proud of that made it. You mentioned Brandon Mann, but any others that come to mind? Oh, uh, Jeff Ridgeway, Jason Hamill. He was a later pick. Jared Sandberg was a later pick. Zach Roscup was a later pick. And Sean O'Malley was a later later pick. And any good funny stories tr- all the all the travel you do, all the all the trips you take? I guess the not really funny, but one of the more unique things is doing some of the driving that we do and sometimes we follow each other or going over snowy passes and stuff and there's been several times where it's gotten a little dicey up there. And guys have been spinning out in front of each other, and it's kind of a almost a dangerous situation. But after after the fact, and you get over there, and you get to your place where you're going, it's you know you have some laughs about it. And let's hope for his sake that the travel is safe going forward in the nation's northwest corner. Congrats to Paul on 20-plus years with the Rays and hopefully many more to come. This week we had a special visitor at Tropicana Field in Daryl Strawberry. Strawberry at the Ted Williams Museum to hold a charitable sighting for his book, Don't Give Up on Me. I've known a lot about the Ted Williams um, Hitters Hall of Fame, and they have been really talking to me about that for a few years, about possibly me coming over and being inducted to the Ted Williams Hall of Fame. It's such a great honor, I mean, because of the great Ted Williams and um, uh, what he meant to the game of baseball and uh, the love he had for baseball. And, and players that do have love, we come, we come to play the game because of the love of the game. Um, and I know it becomes a business part of it, but it's, it's such a great love uh, growing up as a kid. And I, I could just remember coming out of high school and being on Sports Illustrated, and they was calling me the black Ted Williams. Mm-hmm. And I had, no, I, I had no clue who Ted Williams was, you know, because I was an L.A. fan, and all I knew was about, about the L.A. Dodgers and the Cincinnati Reds. I used to watch them battle and play baseball all the time. Did you ever meet Ted during your playing career at all? And if so, what was the encounter like? I did. I did get a chance to, to meet him, I think, once or twice. 
uh, just passing by, and, and he just really liked he he really liked my frame. He told me my frame was really nice, you know, and, and long and, and and lean, and and he thought I had a great swing, and he he thought that um, I could turn out to be a pretty good ball player. And he was right about that. Uh, <laughs> tell me, you're also here. Obviously, you came out with a book. Don't give up on me, and and that's part of the reason that you came to Tropicana Field to uh, do a charitable initiative as well. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I, I wrote a book, Don't Give Up, Only Shedding Light on Addiction. Uh, with the epidemic that we have in America today, I travel the country uh, trying to help young people uh, get off of opiates and heroin addiction. Uh, we're losing 150 people a day. It's probably the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I come from addiction when I got 15 years of recovery. We have a treatment center down in um, St. Cloud, just um, 20 minutes outside of Orlando. So we decided uh, to get together and write a book with the team, doctors and physicians and medical people. And, and so we can really educate people about what addiction is really all about. It, it doesn't matter who you are, it can happen to anybody and you can lose your life and you know, someone has to really step up and really care and talk about it. And I've been real public about it. Um, I've been to the White House three times and, and dealt with them and sat with them face to face talking about addiction and talking about what we can do, a possibility of making um, faith a part of um, recovery to help people a little bit more. Would you consider the book one of education, one of hope, one of, how would you describe the, the book to people who hopefully will pick it up? Well, it, it's, it's a combination. It is definitely education uh, more than anything, but it's also a book of hope. For, for the loved ones who are struggling with someone that is suffering, is to be able to show them how not to give up on them. Um, because you never know what their journey might turn out to be if we don't give up on them. We can love them, but that doesn't mean we have to tolerate them. You know, you know it, it's loving people is, is so important, and I think we've gotten away from that. And if we can get back to that, I think this book can have an impact on people's lives of having some type of education so they can understand anyone could fall into addiction. Who are the people who didn't give up on you and who helped you through your addictions? Well, Ron Dock is one of them. He's here with me. Uh, of course, my wife, Tracy, uh, she played a major part in my life, and um, she finally made me realize that I need to uh, get responsible. And she just said one word, one thing that stuck to me, and she said, you need to take off the uniform, and you need to identify yourself as a man, not a baseball player. And I think a lot of times we have this identity of who we are as, as just a baseball player, and that's what we do. But uh, on the real inside, there's a real man underneath there, and we need to find out who we are so we can learn life and live life. As I watched you walk around, though, the Hitters Hall of Fame Museum, there still is that love for the game that's pretty apparent. Well, these are amazing players. You know, I mean, you, when you think about playing Major League Baseball as a kid and, and you get to play and you get to see guys like Mike Smith and Pete Rose and you get to play against guys like that and face guys like Nolan Ryan, you know, th those, guys are, those guys are history. I don't know if you're going to see a lot of players coming along like those guys were in our generation of players that were were great players. You know, they, they played at such a high level every night, every every challenge you face. You know, Steve Carlton, I mean, I caught him late in the year, but he was still Steve Carlton. You know, you look at guys like that, you watch it on television. So it's just like a kid in a candy store. You, I got a chance to play with Tom Seaver, you know, when I came up as a rookie. And you know the history of who, who he was. I got a chance to play with Doc Gooden, you know, who was a young phenom, you know, from Tampa area and everything. So. I saw uh, James J.R. Richards, you know, I saw him pitch against the Dodgers growing up. So I've seen all these guys play, and then here it is. I got a chance to come play against some of these guys and also come through here. You know, this Hitters Museum, you know, is, is, is amazing what they've done here. You also were one of the unique individuals to play for, in essence, the, the four New York teams, so to speak, the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants who had moved, and the, 
the Dodgers. I mean, that's pretty unique for someone to have that kind of experience. It's a great experience. I mean, I, I don't wish it up on anybody to make that travel that I had to make to get there, but um, it was a very unique experience to you know, play for all four New York teams. I had opportunity to be able to play in New York for a very long time and be successful, win with the Yankees, win with the Mets, and it's just been a, a phenomenal place for me to to grow up and learn uh, about life and not just baseball, you know, through, through the challenges of life. And because it's very difficult playing in New York, it's not easy. Because see, I sit here with you today, and it's just only one person to talk to. But if you walk into a New York clubhouse every day, it's, it's 40, 50 guys hanging out waiting to have a conversation. What advice do you give then to those who either decide to play in New York via free agency or those who end up in New York because of the draft, like uh, an Aaron Judge or a Giancarlo Stan, whoever it may be, because the challenges. Now you have social media. You have some. It's it's even a little more different. Well, just be ready. Be prepared. Be a baseball player. Don't get caught up into the hype. Those guys that play with the Yankees, if you can learn from guys like Jeter and Mo and Posada, you know those guys all came through the farm system, and they became great players. Uh, they didn't get caught up into the hype. You know, they just remember who they were and, and what this was all about and, and being a baseball player and not getting distracted. You know, getting the distractions in New York are real. You can end up having social media following you all the time and people following you all the time. And you don't want that, you know, playing in New York. You want to stay under the radar and you want to play and you want to do well. You touched on the players that you loved watching, playing against. But do you follow the game closely now? And if so, what teams and players do you enjoy watching? I really don't. You know, I really don't follow uh, the game as much as I, you know, people think I should, you know, but I'm so busy. I'm so traveling. I'm in ministry. I'm a pastor and I'm always preaching and I'm always going to do uh, recovery events across the country and working with governors and and attorney generals, you know, to try to solve some of these problems. You know, I like players that, that play the game the right way. Trout. Uh, he seems like he plays exceptionally well. You know, he's 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 not a hothead. He, he's a hard-nosed grinder. He plays the game the right way. And, you know, you don't see – I haven't seen many guys like that, you know, because he kind of reminds me of what Jeter was when he came up and, you know, always hustle, you know, and, and, and he just do the little things. And he's one of, he's one of those guys that stands out a real lot. A lot. Oh, a judge stands out because he's a big kid, you know, and he's going to have some ups and downs as part of it, you know, because he's got a big swing and, you know, everybody's – expectations are going to be just like they were when I came to the plate, hit a home run, you know, and they just think you can hit a home run every time and it doesn't work like that. So, you know, he's got some things to learn, and but I, but I think he's he's doing well. You know, he's, he's got good character about himself, and that's important you know, when you play in New York. Obviously, you're doing some really good things around the country. We appreciate a few minutes and continued success. Enjoy your time here in Tampa Bay. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Daryl Strawberry with Neil after Daryl visited the Ted Williams Museum at Tropicana Field this past week. Now, next weekend is the celebration of the 10th anniversary of the 08 World Series team, and more than 20 players who are part of that team will be on hand. Neil spoke with Elliot Johnson and asked him if it feels like 10 years has gone by. It definitely does not feel like 10 years, um, but it's really exciting. You know, it was a dream come true, obviously, for me personally and obviously for everyone in the Tampa Bay family to uh, go from cellar dweller to the top, and not just to the top, but to the top of the, the American League, not just the American League East, but all the way to the World Series. And even though the team didn't win, you know, still being able to, you know, become relevant uh, meant so much to us, uh, who, you know, I was a lifer at that point, uh, meant so much to us. All of the player development guys, all the coaching, all the scouting, everyone 
you know, and, and of course the fans too, you know, giving them something to root for after years of, uh, you know, getting beat up by the AL East uh, opponents. A lot of people look back at that 08 season, they go back to spring training, and it, it kind of started with uh, what occurred, and I'm sure you heard a lot about it after the fact, was the, the collision at the, the play with Francisco Cervelli in spring training. Did you think any of that at the time, and, and what do you remember about that, and how much do you think that whole thing was a lightning rod for, for the, the attitude with which the team played with the rest of the year? You know, for me, I, obviously I didn't think it was that big of a, of a deal. I really didn't. I think they felt disrespected. I didn't. It, I would have played the same exact way if we were in the World Series. I would have played the same exact way if it was a spring training game, obviously, which it was. If it was a regular season game, if it was an A-ball game, rookie ball game, whatever it was, um, I was still always going to play that way. That's just who I was. And, you know, it, did it turn into something bigger? Of course it did. Joe's the one that gave me the credit for, you know, Basically, you know, his quote was uh, that we weren't giving any, given any respect and we had to go out and take it. And he felt that that was the moment where we sort of banded together and uh, decided that we weren't going to put up with it anymore and we were going to push back. And I guess that was kind of uh, the, the lightning rod moment, to put it the way that you said it, the lightning rod moment that sparked it uh, for the rest of the organization and the, uh, the rest of the season. That was the year where you also broke into the big league. So what was that year like for you? I mean, you know, your whole my whole life, uh, I was groomed even before I was born to be a big leaguer. You know, with all my brothers and my dad, and you know, spending all you know countless hours playing and hitting and practicing and working, and you know, it's it's a dream come true. And you know, you grow up a, a Cubs fan, and you know that allegiance changes, and you become a Devil Ray and then a Ray. Um, it didn't matter what my uniform was, but just being able to say that I was a big leaguer and that I got to debut at the old Yankee Stadium, um, where you know. You hear so many stories about Babe Ruth and, and Roger Maris and DiMaggio and Mantle, and you could go on and on and on. And being able to, you know, make a debut there against Andy Pettit was, you know, something as special, just for, not just for me, but for my entire family. And, you know, I'll never forget it. You know, I get to be a big leader for the rest of my life. So that was obviously a dream come true. There were so many guys who played on that 08 team. Um, for you, how how many of those guys are cl- are you close to still? How many of those guys are still friends that you keep in touch with? Uh, I would say a handful or so. I mean, Barty, Barty was a, a, a good friend of mine while I was there. Obviously, I came up with Rigo. Um, I spent a lot of time with him. Uh, not too many of the other guys, though. You'd be surprised at how quick it kind of disbands. But Sonny obviously came up with him a lot, spent a lot of time with him. You know, Shields, I mean, you know, I speak to Wago on a regular basis, and I know he's going to be there, and I'm looking forward to seeing him. Don't get to see too much of Pricey. I know he's taking, trying to take care of business, and he's got a completely different mode up there in Boston. Who else? Longo. I talk to Longo every now and again. Uh, I felt bad that he broke his hand. It reminds me of when he broke his hand when he was in Seattle, uh, back when he was playing with us. Uh, who else is up there? BJ, not too much. I saw him a couple years ago. CC, nobody sees him. <laughs> you know, who knows where he is? Gabe Gross, don't talk to him too much. I think he's doing TV for Auburn. Um, and then, you know, you got all the guys in the bullpen. You know, I don't really see those guys too much or hear from those guys too much. But I'm looking forward to seeing Pizzle again. Uh, he's always a favorite in the clubhouse. No doubt about that. Uh, what are you doing with yourself now, and, and do you miss the game at all at this point? Uh, no, I miss the boys. I think every every player that you ask, what the, you know, what you miss the most. Playing was fun. Of course it was. It was a dream come true. Um, you know, when the business side gets you and it becomes a lot of work or, you know, when you start realizing how much, how difficult it is on day-in, day-out basis, physically, mentally, everything, 
you know, I don't really miss that as much as I miss the camaraderie and uh, being around the guys all the time and, you know, just the, the routine that was being a baseball player, um, the respect you get as a baseball player. That was all really, really nice. But, you know, it's nice to be on this side of the fence now and uh, getting to help guys uh, that are basically searching and, uh, you know, striving for that same dream. For our listeners who don't know, explain what you're doing and when you started. Uh, I do a number of different things. The best way to categorize it, Neil, for you and the audience briefly is um, a business manager for ballplayers, people that, uh, you know, have no idea what they're getting into. Um, you know, I was drafted as a free agent out of high school, so I'm passionate about making sure guys get a fair shake. Um, and so I want to make sure that that, that obviously is one of my missions and making sure that they have all the information at their hands to uh, make a good decision. And then from there, I take them, you know, and help them with everything else they could possibly need. Uh, so that's pretty simple, but, you know, I don't want people to have to sign for, you know, $8,000 out of high school uh, without knowing what they're giving up. And so, you know, my story speaks for itself, but there's very few free agents out of high school that sign for a reason. And most of the reason is they get a good advice. But when you're, you know, you're from Thatcher, Arizona, and you're, you have dial-up internet, <laughs> you don't have access to that kind of information. So, you know, making sure that uh, that they have, these families get a fair shake is something that's really important to me. Well, it sounds like you're doing really good work, and uh, I wish you a lot of luck, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you and so many others next weekend. Yeah, oh, of course. My pleasure, Neil. And that is our good friend Elliot Johnson. I look forward to seeing him next weekend, and hopefully you'll be at Tropicana Field for the 10th year anniversary celebration of the 2008 American League Championship team. Special thanks to Elliot and all of our guests this week, pitcher Ryan Yarbrough, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, vice president of, senior vice president, I should say, of baseball operations, Heim Bloom, Pawtucket Red Sox broadcaster Josh Maurer, 20-year employee Paul Kirsch, and, of course, legend Daryl Strawberry. Now, if there's ever anything that you want to hear on this week in baseball, all you have to do is tweet Neil Solons. He is at Neil Solons. Very original. On next week's program, Neil is going to recap the trade deadline. Of course, the trade deadline is at 4 o'clock on Tuesday, and we'll also have plenty of interviews from that 2008 American League championship team. For producer Jason Berenger, engineer Steve Versnick, and for Neil Solons, Steve Carney with you. Stay tuned as we have the Rays pregame show live from the Trade Winds Island Resort's Guy Harvey Outpost coming up next right here on the Tampa Bay Rays Radio Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Driven in the air to center field. Kiermaier going back at the wall, jumps up, and makes the catch. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. rises up, lowers to the belt, looks towards first, he pitches, swing and a miss, he struck him out. The Rays have held on. Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.